Good evening, listeners, and welcome back to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden, and on this show, I explore the curious rituals and odd beliefs that haunt societies around the world. Today, we travel north to snowy Sweden, where a unique local superstition bedevils the most casual of acts, throwing a set of keys on a table. When Swedes hear that familiar clatter of metal hitting a surface, their heads snap to the source. Sometimes they'll even snatch up the keys and hand them back to their owner, because they're afraid. They know the old story. Keys on a table means one ominous thing. Bad luck. It didn't start out that way. Instead, the roots go way back to long ago when sex workers at bars or cafes would leave their keys on the tables to signify their availability. It was a convenient, subtle advertisement at first. But over time, the message was twisted. The glitter of metal turned into something dark, something threatening, something dangerous. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. Coming up, two young women don't need any extra trouble, but they get it all the same. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Ava sat stock still as Anna grabbed her hands from across the table. She was still a bit uncomfortable with the physical display of affection, but Anna wasn't. She looked Ava dead in the eyes and said, Ava, I know it's confusing. I'm confused too, but confusing has never made me so happy. I want to do this, to be together officially. Ava looked away silently, pulling a hand out of Anna's to wipe her red nose. She took a sip of her glug. As the steam fogged her glasses, she felt her heartbeat slow. It's not that she didn't agree with Anna. She'd never felt this way with a man. Not after ten years of dating them. She'd never felt more like herself or less alone than when she was lying in bed next to Anna running her fingers through Anna's pale hair, kissing the top of her upturned little nose. She almost smiled at the thought, but she wasn't in the mood for smiling. Not now. There was the fact that Anna was moving away, north, to a research station far from Stockholm. Tomorrow. And the fact that it would be packed with men. 
Everywhere Anna went, men threw themselves at her. She could have any man she wanted. Rich men, handsome men, smart men. Ava felt a twisting knot of shame in her stomach at the thought. How could she compete? She was just a girl. She'd never be enough. Not in the end. As if to prove her point, a tall man was stalking towards them from across the bar, a hungry look in his eyes. He headed straight to the table, where he reached out a hand. For one sickening moment, Ava thought he was going to stroke Anna's cheek. Instead, his fingers snapped downwards and grabbed something off the table. Both women stared at him, startled. He grabbed Ava's keys. Ava crossed her arms over her chest. What? You want us to chauffeur you somewhere? The man smiled, a leering, unpleasant smile. Just wanted to see if I could get an invitation to wherever you two are going next. He winked at Anna. Anna looked away, her face reddening. Ava scowled. No invitations available. Sorry. The man raised a brow at her. Don't worry. I like fiery brunettes too. In fact, he glanced back and forth between the two women and grinned, exposing large, yellowing teeth. In fact, I like pears best of all. Girls who like girls. <laughs> Ava felt fury taking over her body. She wanted to punch those teeth right out of his mouth. Her hand tensed into a fist, but Anna grabbed her wrist and spoke softly, still looking away from him. We're not interested. Finally, the man's smile faded into a twisted grimace. He shrugged, then he dropped Ava's keys back onto the table. You shouldn't leave your keys on the table then. If they're not a message that you're open for business, just bad luck. He muttered some unsavory words about women who had it coming and then slunk away. Ava was ready to run after him to produce some unsavory words of her own. But Anna kept a firm grasp on her wrist and sighed. The keys are definitely bad luck if they attract guys like that. But my mum used to say something about that too. Bad luck to leave keys on tables. You should put them in your bag. She shrugged. Just in case? Ava burst out laughing. <laughs> If only the worst of our problems were my keys on the table. Then she dropped her forehead into her hand, her laughter gone. Anna stroked Ava's hair and asked again, Why won't you commit to me, Ava? Is it that I'm going away, the long distance, or is it that I'm a woman? Be honest with me. Ava felt her mouth go dry. No, I mean, it's not that I don't want to commit to you, I've loved being with you, she said. Then she fell silent. Anna tried again. Well, then what is it, Ava? Look, you know I've never been with a woman either. Not like this. And I know it's all been such a whirlwind. It happened so fast. And it does make it hard that I'm going away. But I feel like this is worth fighting for. She paused, a shy vulnerable look coloring her face. Don't you? Ava felt that knot in her stomach tightening. And then, her mouth opened as if it had a will of its own. In a panicked torrent, words started to pour out. I, 
I love being with you, Anna. I do, or I have. But it's like you said, it's just the long distance. I just, I can't do it. Ava couldn't bear to look at Anna's face, but she felt Anna's eyes boring holes into her anyway. She'd made her angry, disappointed, hurt. Are you serious, Ava? You're just going to give this up? Like that? Ava felt her body starting to tremble. She felt the instinct to cry, to take it back. But she also felt the instinct to run. Still unable to look at Anna, she mumbled, I'm so sorry. Then she pulled a few bills out of her wallet, threw them onto the table, scooped up her keys and fled the bar into the cold, bitter night, where she finally let herself cry. Let the shame explode out into a wordless, agonized howl. She started to run as if she could outpace her own words, outpace the thought of Anna's hurt. Her tears froze on her cheeks. The next morning was clear. Thin, bright wintertime light streamed through Ava's window, illuminating the other side of the bed and Anna's absence. No, Ava muttered to herself. Don't think about it. Everything she'd done was for the best, ultimately, even if she hadn't thought it through exactly. She swallowed, hauled herself out of bed, told herself it would never have worked out in the long run. She would never have been enough. She slipped into her clothes, told herself Anna needs a real man. Eventually, she'll want a man. And now, she could have one. At least, that's what Ava told herself again and again over the next few days. Days she tried to fill with the regular things. Stops at the local coffee shop for coffee and a cardamom bun. Work, a drink after work, three drinks after work. But she couldn't stop looking at her phone, looking for any message from Anna. And when the message didn't come, she started to panic. Maybe she'd made a mistake. Maybe... Maybe there was more to discuss. She resisted texting for another day, but then she sent a message. She just wanted to check in, see how Anna was. No response. The next day, she sent another message, more contrite than the first. She was sorry for how she'd acted. It wasn't fair. She still cared about Anna. Still no response which is when she started calling, leaving messages, telling Anna that she was worried, that even if Anna didn't want her anymore, she at least deserved to know she was all right. Still, nothing. Which is when Ava's panic started to grow worse. What if Anna wasn't responding because she wasn't okay? What if something happened to her? Staring at her phone, Ava felt the urge to call Anna's friends to check in with them, but she didn't have their numbers. The relationship had been such a whirlwind, she and Anna had only wanted to spend time with each other. And, well, she hadn't wanted to get too involved in other parts of Anna's life. The thought had made her nervous. It made things seem so real. Now she regretted it, especially since Anna had never done social media. Staring at her phone, Ava felt her fingers start to move across the screen unbidden. She was googling train accidents. Nothing came up. But what about all the other things that could have happened? Things that wouldn't make the news. Anna, lying in a ditch after a car crash from the train stop to the research station. 
or Anna, having fallen deathly ill as soon as she arrived in the north, having to be airlifted to some remote, ill-equipped hospital, or attacked by one of those awful men at the train station, or, or just disappeared into some fierce, endless blizzard. Ava collapsed into bed, immobilized. But her gut was roiling with panic. Her chest was so tight, it felt like it might burst. And then, finally, as her sweaty palms clenched into fists, there was a sound. A jingling. Clink, clank, clink, clank. Ava sat up, looked around her bedroom in horrified confusion. What was that? It kept going and getting louder bouncing around her head like a horrible chant. That's when her eyes landed on the bureau, on her keys. Suddenly, the night at the bar flooded her mind like a movie, specifically the moment when Anna told her keys on the table were bad luck. That was the night when everything had started to go so wrong. That horrible man had come up to her and Anna, then she'd accidentally broken up with Anna, and now... Anna had disappeared. She was probably dead. All after Ava left her keys on the table. Ava sobbed into her pillow. She'd been cursed with bad luck by her keys. Maybe it was irrational, but nothing made sense anymore. And that jingling key sound was getting louder and louder in her head. She reached for the drawer in her nightstand grasped haphazardly for her pill bottle, popped one Xanax, two for good measure. Maybe a weed gummy as well. She needed her brain to turn off. Now. Ava woke up feeling lighter than she had in a long time. Lighter than she'd ever felt, maybe. Her head was clear, like all the anxieties and resentments and fears had faded away. She swung her legs over the side of the bed, they felt strangely wobbly on the floor, but she ignored the odd sensation, because her chest was pounding with conviction. It seemed to have landed there while she was sleeping, and suddenly, her situation felt stark and clear. Thanks to the bad luck caused by the keys, Anna was in danger, and Ava needed to get to the research station to help her, before it was too late. Although even now, Ava couldn't help but think to herself if it wasn't already too late. Coming up, Ava treks north, determined to fix her bad luck. The world is full of con men, fantasists, and corrupt authority figures. There are respected spiritual leaders who ask way too much of their followers. Global companies with unexpected motives and governments that value profit over all else. Luckily for us, the world is also full of people who stand up for what they believe in, even if it turns their lives upside down. I'm Pat Rodriguez, host of Whistleblowers, the new podcast series that explores the biggest, most bizarre lies in history through the eyes of those who risked absolutely everything to expose them. This season in Whistleblowers, join us as we uncover the story of the women who brought down Hollywood's most controversial yoga guru, the doctors who believe one of the world's top surgeons used humans as his guinea pigs, 
and the woman who revealed Facebook's darkest secrets. Whistleblowers is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes every Tuesday starting January 18th. Follow and listen to Whistleblowers for free on Spotify. Now, back to the story. The people on the train looked strange to Ava. There was a cruel, angry glint to the way they glanced at her. She was probably reading into it. This was just an early morning ride, and a long one. People were tired and grumpy. She focused on the positives, the beauty of the winter landscape flashing past the windows as they headed north. Pine boughs weighted down with snow, banks of white powder whipped into undulating shapes by the wind. More importantly, she focused on her plan. Get to the research station ASAP. Figure out where Anna was, what had happened to her, why she hadn't responded to her text. Then, rush to her. Tell her the keys did it all. They ruined everything. But she would protect Anna. She would save her. She almost smiled to herself at the thought. She liked the idea of being Anna's knight in shining armor. But the fact that she needed one at all was nothing to smile about. That serious conviction from this morning settled over her again, like a mantle. Ava slipped in and out of sleep for the next few hours. Dark, blank sleep, no dreams. Until finally, they arrived. Tarfala. Ava hurried off the train into the dark evening. The lights in the train station seemed to glow red, bouncing grimly off the worn wooden walls, benches, ticket counters, all empty, cold and empty. No one was there. No one except a man in a battered black car who waved at her. No, not at her. At the woman behind her, the only other passenger who got off the train. She hurried towards her ride, head down, not giving Ava a glance. The couple disappeared down the dark road. And Ava was truly, totally alone in the dark, red glow. She pulled out her phone. No service, of course. She should have known. She scoured the little station, and yes, there was a payphone, with a poster for a cab company taped haphazardly to its side, flapping in the wind. No one picked up. Ava's stomach started to drop, for the first time since she'd woken up this morning. But she couldn't let that take over. She had to stay sure, stay strong, find Anna. She walked out into the frigid cold, and yes, there, a car in the far corner of the parking lot, and a man leaning against it, smoking a cigarette. Maybe this was what happened to Anna. She was stuck here. She went up to a strange man and asked for a ride. But Ava shook away the thought. She didn't have a choice. She walked across the parking lot. Hi, is there any way you could give me a ride over to the research station? I thought there'd be a few cabs here, but... The man looked at her coldly, blankly. Something about his face reminded her of that man in the bar the other day, an aggression. She crossed her arms over her chest nervously, feeling very aware of how alone they were. Still, he didn't speak. He just dropped his cigarette to the ground, his eyes on hers, then ground it down into the snow with his heel agonizingly slowly. 
Why wasn't he saying anything? Her discomfort mounting, Ava started to turn away. As she did though, the man finally spoke. This is a cab, miss. Get in. A shiver ran down Ava's spine. She glanced around the station one last time, looking for any alternatives, but still no one. Nothing. And she'd just freeze in the unheated station if she waited here long. Then she'd be no use to Anna. No use to anyone. She turned back toward the cab driver and clambered into his back seat. The windows kept fogging up and the car stank of cigarettes, but at least it was warm. And moving forward along the curving country road. It was beautiful. For the first time, Ava felt a kind of softening at the idea of country living. Eerie, lonely, probably boring, but beautiful. No wonder Anna loved it up here. No wonder she was so passionate about studying this landscape. Ava felt her muscles loosening. She leaned her forehead against the cold glass, staring into the endless white blur of a landscape. She forgot about the odd, frightening man driving the car. For a moment, she even forgot about the terrifying conviction that had brought her here. She was drifting back to sleep, again. But then, she saw something, up ahead. Something silver, glinting in their headlights along the side of the road. It looked like, yes, like a car, half buried in the snow. Ava gasped, terror hitting her gut like a fist. Anna, pull over, she shouted. He did. She scrambled out of the car. The wind hit her like a wall, chilling her to the bone. There was nothing to break it out here, but she ignored it. She dove toward the car and started digging with her mittened hands. To her surprise, the driver came and joined her. She didn't look to her side to see if his cold, ominous expression had changed. She didn't have time. She had to focus. The pair dug and dug side by side until they uncovered a door. Ava pulled at it, her fingers curled into a claw beneath soaked wool. It wasn't budging, but she had to open it. She just knew she had to. She pulled on the handle with the entire weight of her body. And there, on the seat, she saw it. Her worst fears confirmed. Anna, her beautiful, rosy face turned pale as ice, blue, her lips shriveled and dry, her dark eyes closed shut. Ava stared in horror. She thought she might vomit. Instead, when she opened her mouth, she started to sob. She covered her face with her hands. She'd failed. She was too late. I'm so sorry, Anna, she moaned. She didn't expect an answer, but look who finally showed up. Ava uncovered her face slowly, aghast. Anna was dead, but where else could that voice have come from? She looked intently at Anna's face. It was still completely still, completely blue, completely dead. She swallowed. Anna, was that you? This time, Ava saw it. 
Anna's blue lips were moving. Of course it was. Ava stared. Anna was dead, but talking? She sputtered. I I came as soon as I realized something had happened, Anna, I promise. Anna's lips moved again. You're not understanding, Ava. You're not too late to save my life. Ava almost fell backwards into the snow as slowly color started to flood Anna's face. Her body lost those strange, awkward angles of death. She shifted, sat up naturally. You're too late to be my girlfriend. Nothing's wrong with me, but you would never commit to me. So I moved on. Ava's mouth hung agape in horror. Anna laughed. (laughs) Not to a man like you always feared, stupid. I just moved on from you because you don't deserve me. Not if you won't pick me wholeheartedly, however difficult it is. With that, Anna grinned her perfect, glittering, healthy grin and kissed Ava on the cheek. Her lips were icy cold. Bye, babe. I'm sorry. Sorry that you made such poor, poor choices and lost me. Ava spun frantically as snow began to fly all around her. Her cab driver and his cab seemed to be gone. When she looked back at Anna, she was gone too. She couldn't see anything, anything except snow. Then the snow was gone too. Ava sat up gasping. Her body was cold with sweat. Her heart was pounding, but she was in her bed and there was sunlight streaming through the windows. She pulled at the sheets frantically, ensuring they were there. She slapped herself. Yes, definitely real. Which meant what she just saw wasn't. She looked at the nightstand, the open bottle of Xanax, the weed gummies, and at her phone. Specifically, the notifications flashing across its screen. Missed call and a voicemail from Anna. She almost dropped the phone as she fumbled to unlock it and play the message. Hey Ava, I'm so sorry I haven't been in touch all week. My phone stopped working right after I arrived up here. Of course I wouldn't have left you worrying, even after how we ended things. The tech here just got me back online, thankfully. Anyway, it's been amazing up here. The work is fascinating and everyone has been so sweet. But I miss you. Give me a call when you can. I'll answer now. And if you want to talk about everything more, maybe come visit. Let me know. Ava stared at her phone in shock. Anna was fine. It was all a dream. The keys on the table hadn't ruined her life. She swallowed. That would be her. The only problem for her and Anna was her fears and anxieties. Her fears that she'd never been enough, that Anna would, in the end, want a man. But that had never come from Anna. She paced around the room for a moment, nervous. Then she gave a decisive nod. She picked up the phone and she called. Hey, Anna, I got your message. Yeah, yeah, 
I'm so glad you're fine and it's going well. No, don't worry. No, really. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think I needed a little space anyway to think about some things. Well, I realized I want you. I want this. I'm not afraid anymore. So, let's do it. The development of Sweden's key superstition probably started out as a logical precaution. Because keys on a public table indicated a woman was a sex worker looking for clients, mothers warned their daughters, don't send a message you don't intend to. Keep your keys in your pockets when you're out in public places. What's less logical is the fact that over the years, long after keys stopped serving as a standard indicator of sex work, something about that soft jingle of keys hitting a table still sends a chill down the spines of Swedes. This gets at shame and prejudice around sex work and sexuality in general, which is far from a uniquely Swedish problem. Because keys on a table are associated with sex work and sex, they're taboo, even bad luck. Of course, there's nothing unlucky about sex, but centuries of censure can make even life's best pleasures dangerous or scary. Just be careful not to let the danger and fear ruin them entirely and leave you all alone in a bed as cold and icy as death. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Superstitions was written by Nora Battelle, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petras. I'm Alastair Murden.